Episode 104 with the movement master, the guy who brought a head-on collision between CrossFit and gymnastics. This is Mr. Carl Powley. guys welcome back to the show creating space episode 104 mr carl powley in the building for those of you who do not know carl powley he is a movement expert he launched gymnasticswad.com back in 2010 which is currently the largest online resource for gymnastics movement training and conditioning for crossfit coaches and athletes not only that he is also a author of the book Freestyle, um, which went on to become a New York Times bestseller in the sports category. Not only that, Carl is also an investor in what's called Strike Movement, which is an apparel company where he is also a global ambassador for that brand. They've got some really cool stuff. If you check out Strike Movement on Instagram, you can see all of their cool apparel. They've got a couple of shoes there that I keep teasing Carl that I need to get a pair of. But You're going to really like Carl's story because he's got so much to talk about his journey, uh, finding himself as a human being, his road of having to pivot from being an Olympic-driven gymnast to trying to find his existence after uh, chasing that dream as as an athlete, and now bringing him to the moment where he is a global leader in initiatives when it comes to movement and bringing natural movement concepts to the world of CrossFit, right? His book, Freestyle, breaks down movement patterns into four very simple movements. The guy, super intelligent, lots of fun to follow on social media. So let's dive into the story of Carl Powley and let's hear just how he's gotten to the spot that he is today. Carl Powley, the master of movement, the movement machine. My man, I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. It's so much more than just exercise. It's it's a lifestyle, and I think it's magic. And I'm so happy to welcome you to Creating Space, my man. Welcome to the show, dude. Thank you for having me, and uh, and, and thanks for the compliment. I don't I don't think I'm a master. It's, it's something I strive for, of course, but uh, it's one of those things that it's just uh, a, a goal, a, a place to to go. But uh, you you never really arrive. Yeah, there is no arrival, right? It's only the process. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck because they get so destination focused and they forget about what really matters is this sequence of nows, you know, and those are the most important pieces. So speaking of that, I always start the show off with what are you juiced about? What are you grateful for? So right now in this moment, what's Carl Powley grateful for? Dude, I'm just stoked to be here talking to you and uh, and just excited for what is to come and what has been. And but now is like you said, is all we got, and and that's what I'm uh, I'm grateful for, I guess. Yeah, man. I, listen, just a good start, you know. Just yeah. being just being thankful for all that has happened. I mean, you got a lot going on. I mean, you got Strike Movement, which is an apparel brand based off of the movement techniques that you teach. You've got a book. Right, which you, te- mm-hmm. you teach people is called freestyle, which helps people maximize sport and life performance with four basic movements. So you're breaking it down and seemingly making it sound really easy. But what I really love it for is, dude, I watched your YouTube video about how to do a muscle up, which is ages old. It looks like 
but it taught me, you taught me indirectly how to do a muscle up. So super appreciative, man. The content you're putting out is powerful, man. That's incredible. Yeah. One of those things that you, you realize that the power of the internet, the power of YouTube, uh, the power of just putting out content that may seem obvious for you, but maybe for others, it's just something that is new or, uh, if it's not new, maybe they're hearing it from a different perspective. And all of a sudden you have a connection with people that you may have never, uh, encountered before in, right. in, in, in real life. And that, that's just amazing. Uh, so the fact that you have been able to learn something from me or, or <laughs> watched any of my content makes my day. And I, I I'm stoked for that. That's, that's incredible. No, it's cool. And the internet is leveling the playing field. That's why I love it so much, right? Because it's a blank canvas for everyone. And if you can be a student and watch the play, so to speak, that all of the influencers are are making right now, no matter the space, right? If you can right. figure out what your lane is and then use the internet as a tool to help you kind of build your process and build your platform, it can be um, an accelerator to life. But there's so much involved in that. What I kind of want to start with is word is you began your life in Spain. Is that where you grew up? You, you're not even uh, raised in the United States. I wasn't raised in the United States, no, but I was born in the U.S., uh, actually here in San Francisco, north of San Francisco, Marin County. And when I was four, we moved to Ecuador and then eventually landed in Spain. And then I, I was raised in Spain and that's where I went to school. I did gymnastics. Uh, the whole thing. And then eventually I got into college and uh, for a little bit I was in Singapore. And then after college, I, I ended up back in California. And uh, here I am 13 years later, still living in San Francisco and uh, and enjoying it. Well, obviously, do you speak all of the languages? How many languages do you speak? I speak three. So I wow. speak Swedish uh, because that's what I speak with my parents, and my family. I speak English. That's what I'm speaking with you. And then Spanish is what I uh, grew up with. Yeah, I uh my 30th birthday I took a solo mission to Sweden, man. I I no landed way. in Denmark. Yeah, Copenhagen, jumped over to Malmo, spent some time in Malmo, shot up to Stockholm, over to Arebro, man. It was 30 years was spent having a lot of fun. I have a lifelong two lifelong dear friends that play for FC Rosengard in Malmo. Mm-hmm. In Malmo. Um, and they're on the women's team. They crush it over there. They're having, you know, awesome. Ella, Ella Masser McLeod of, of uh, the U, formerly the U.S. national team, potentially the Canadian women's national team, and Aaron McLeod, who is the starting women's goalkeeper for the Canadian national team. Two badasses who are really loving Sweden right now. That is so awesome. That's so awesome. It's a, it's a great country. I, I love it. I'm actually going back now for, for the summer uh, to hang out with my family for a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm excited to go back. It's a great country. Yeah, man, it's very cool. Um, but you got back to the U.S., San Francisco, mm-hmm. the Bay, shout out to the Bay Area, right? Um, yeah, awesome yeah. place over there. Golden State Warriors are are beasting it right now. That's um, right. You, you know, in doing your research, I saw that you were on a path to Olympic success, right? And mm-hmm. um, that was all in Spain. Can you kind of bring us back to that moment and what that was like as, a, I think, a high schooler, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole gymnastics thing started when I was a kid. I was five years old. I, I got into gymnastics. It was a, kind of an after-school program that my mom put me into. But eventually, I got picked up by a club that was nearby, and that was a competitive team that was uh, kind of the one of the fo- foundations for making it onto the track towards being part of the national team and then eventually uh, going big, whatever that means. And, <laughs> 
<laughs> in gymnastics, uh, uh, the Olympics is, of course, the biggest platform. No one really pays attention to gymnastics unless it's every four years when it pops up in the Olympics. So that was just something that was embedded in my head that if I made it to Olympics, then I could guarantee uh, to myself that I had been successful. <laughs> right. <laughs> but of course, I didn't know what I was uh, thinking or talking about. It's just one of those things. It was a goal. It was a benchmark. It was a standard that I wanted to meet. And um, eventually I got into it. I started competing. I started doing pretty well. I got on the circuit in Spain. Uh, I was uh, training with the national team for a while there. But um, I just didn't have the thing, you know, the, the, the like genetic potential to be this like gymnast. That, right. That's the man. Right. And I just started kind of falling off. I just couldn't keep up. I felt like I worked really hard, but it was just like one roadblock after another. So eventually I got to the point where I was, I had injuries, I had pain everywhere. I was just, I just wasn't satisfied with my life. I wasn't satisfied with anything because I felt, I, I genuinely felt inside that I was the man. Like I can do this right. and I'm working really hard and I'm smart and I'm trying to communicate and I'm trying to do everything that I'm told, but I'm still not able to arrive. So it got to the point where I was like, okay, is this, is this the end? And, uh, it, at the age of 19, I just decided, okay, I'm going to retire from, from this competitive path, from being a professional, whatever that meant back in the day. And, and, uh, that's when I just went into school and I started studying environmental science. And I realized that uh, in environmental science, being on the field gave me access to other sports like snowboarding and wakeboarding. And that's when the epiphany like really hit me. I was really good at those two sports without ever having practiced them just because I had done gymnastics growing right. up. And that's when I realized, oh crap, this is not about one specific lane. This is about how well you can live in that crossover. Mm. And that applies to uh, sport and life and being a parent and being a, a husband or uh, running a business, whatever it may be. And that's that was the success. It's realizing that that's what I had been training for my whole life. That's awesome. And that, that mindset, the pro athlete, the pro level mindset doesn't really filter in, just like you said, until you make the transition out of it. But 19 years old to make that big decision that's a massive, massive decision for a 19-year-old to make. Let's get back to that point because when I started to, my body started to break down around year six of my professional career, mm -hmm. I started to feel it. I knew, I knew, all right, I don't have many years left. I used to be super explosive and, and, and my uh, game was built on speed. And when a 17-year-old is now keeping up with me in the youth, youth academy, I'm thinking, all right, man, my, my time's limited now. It scared the shit out of me, Carl. Were, were you mm -hmm. afraid? Uh, for sure. Um, I was afraid my whole life, actually. That's something that actually since I was a kid had, had been paralyzing me all the way along. But uh, there was a moment actually as a kid where I realized that I could do anything with just a little support. And it was actually my brother, Oscar, who... Uh, he came to this camp with me and he just joined. It, it was a gymnastics camp, but he came with me to this camp just because he wanted to be a part of it. And uh, he was just enjoying the whole process. He had nothing to do with gymnastics, but he was there having a great time. And I was like, man, 
if my brother can enjoy this and he has nothing to do with this sport, what can I do? And, yeah. and this was my little brother. So all of a sudden I had this big epiphany that if he can do it, I can do it. And now I turned this fear into drive, into just wanting to crush and do it the best way I could. So by the time I was 19, I was a little older and now it was just kind of driven. I was fearless and I was just ready to kick ass everywhere else. I wanted to go to school, be the best in school. I wanted to go wakeboarding, be the best there. I did everything and I did it uh, pretty aggressively. <laughs> I'm the same yeah. way as you. I was just having this conversation earlier today is I've never had a problem being the executor. I, I, I think I'm a confident guy. I think I know where my skills are and I kind of stay in those lanes and I double down on my strengths and I'm not afraid to just throw content, throw things out there, not searching for perfection because mm -hmm. I'm a competitor. I want to see the feedback. How do I improve? How do I get better? Right. That's, that's a part of the um, eternal learning process. However, it's kind of bi it's binary in a way, right? Because that competitive nature, that hyper competitive aspect of me can get my ass in trouble sometimes. For so sure. talk to me a little bit about that relationship of your, your ego, right? The competitive side and the natural Carl Powley, who might be a little more subdued and a little more loving by nature. Mm -hmm. Well, let me give you a, uh, an example. When I, when I started uh, university in Spain. I was studying environmental science and I decided, okay, I'm going to specialize in genetic engineering and marine biology. Marine biology because I wanted to and genetic engineering because that's what the professors were saying. That's the future. If you know this, you're the man and like that's right. the thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be the man. That's what I want to <laughs> be, right? So, so I, I set out to do this thing and it was a five-year uh, program. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's a five-year program. Most people get it done in like six or seven. I'm going to get it done in less. So I'm going to go super hard. And I, I talked to my sister, my older sister, my older brother, and they taught me how to study. They taught me how to manage things. And then I realized I needed to build a team to be able to get all the hours uh, that I needed within the four years that I was shooting for. So I built this team of, uh, there were four of us. And, and basically, they would go to class, take notes. I would get the notes from them. And I was basically running like this uh, management program <laughs> of how do I just get through this as fast as possible? And by the time the last year, my last year came around, I remember I was at the library and it was like 10 p.m. And I, I walked out of the library and these two girls that I was working with that were taking notes for me and like doing all this stuff. Uh, they were sitting there and they clearly had a bunch of work, all these papers, all these books. And I was like, yo, do you guys have my notes ready? <laughs> because I'm going to go grab dinner. So when, when I come back, I'll pick them up. Okay. And they looked at me like, you are just the worst. And I didn't think about anything. I just, I didn't even like, it didn't even, uh, uh like register with me that, that they were upset. Right. Right. Uh, and a couple of days later, they're like, dude, you suck. Like, <laughs> we are busting our asses here and you're going out for dinner while we're taking your notes and helping you study. Screw you kind of thing. And I was like, oh, crap. Right. I got I got caught up in the vortex of wanting to be successful, wanting to achieve this goal and just lost track that it was the people mm. that were helping me do that 
that actually allowed me to to get there. And after that, I was I was 21 when that happened, 22, 21, 22. Uh, I realized, okay, working with people is the most important thing. The goal is just a byproduct. Wow. And that's when I really started uh, developing this like new level of empathy um, that I, I feel like I had because I always operated with positive intent. Sure. But, but really putting yourself in their shoes and uh, that's what i've been trying to do since um which in a way has made it really good but in another way i went to the extreme where now i was hurting myself sure i've been there too listen uh ego is not your amigo and i had um plenty of it as i grew up it sounds like right. very similar journeys that way and it wasn't until i got humbled by an injury and was suicidal and battling mental illness and really struggling, Carl, that I started to recognize that my tribe is the most important piece because we all need support, always needing support. And when I dove into personal development uh, books and I started to read about leadership and the different types of leadership, I started to go all in and servant leadership and really finding people that love and support me and because we have that symbiotic process, I can love and support them. And the the rising tip, the rising tide raises all ships, right? So as you've got so much going on now, um, you kind of had that early epiphany that you needed people um, to be on your side and you needed to serve them. And now it funnels over into all the things you've got going on. So the question is, we've got um, this live still uh, guide that we work from, right? So mm -hmm. it's four quadrant hierarchy where we talk about self and from self, you can move to your tribe. Once you, you know, kind of take care of those two things, you can funnel into your sustenance or your hustle, right? And then you move to your legacy. Where are you right now with all of the things you're going on? I've got all of my time and my energy going into my hustle and into my tribe because those two support each other. I'm not so focused on myself right now, um, which a lot of times is an issue. Kind of where are you right now when you talk about that leadership? You know, I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the middle right now where it's not just uh, about me and it's not just about the tribe or the people that I'm, I'm surrounded by. I'm, I'm kind of now transitioning into a more uh, balanced uh, lifestyle where before it was all about uh, working with the people around me, building a team, getting this thing to just fire on all cylinders. And now... Uh, after I've gone through a couple of years of really being uh, kind of of an introversion in a way uh, and just finding a new sense of consciousness, basically, yeah. I, I'm coming out on the other end, kind of thinking to myself that it's time to really show people who I really am and what I really do and um, and build around that. And, and where it is, it's really trying to empower people to do what they want and to be a part of what they're doing and be part of that excitement because I'm, I'm a fire starter. That's what I do. I just start fires and then I get it going. I'm not kind of a here, I'm going to maintain this thing and right. then I'm going to finish it. It's like, no, I, I start things and then I finish by getting another thing and then aligning them and making this big yeah. whatever uh, that, that I want to live in. I want to live in that kind of vibe, that kind of energy. Uh, so that's what I'm really building. It's I'm, I'm building myself and attracting people that want to build themselves 
whatever it may be, whether it's your body, it's your business, it's your life, I don't care what it is. I'm just here to support you and to try to share in any kind of way uh, that I can uh, insight that's going to help you just continue to find an anchor point and keep pushing daily. So that, that's kind of where I am. I'm, I'm in the middle. Yeah, I love that, Carl. I think yeah. it's I think it's massively important what you're doing. We have very similar ideas of our legacy and in, in, in mm-hmm. same kind of um, habits when it comes to that. So let's talk about in order for you to support others, you have to be self-supported. You have to take care of yourself, right? And for me, for any athlete, we need routines to keep ourselves feeling good, right? For me, creating space is a mindset every single day. I've got to get up. I've got to uh, prime my mind, get it ready, change my physiology, move, get myself prepped. I go through the live still guide, get some breathing, some meditative work. Then the way I start my day is how I can kind of funnel and bottleneck the rest of my day. What do Mm -hmm. you do on a daily basis to create space for your best self? Well, I think, I think that's a great question. And I thought about this a lot and my life is all about freestyle. It's like, there is no plan. There is no method. There is no thing that I do. Yes, there are habits that I create, but there's no one thing that I just like gravitate toward, but I can tell you a story. Uh, not, not too long ago, I, I was, um, I have the, the, the Instagram live just going crazy here (laughs) tell me that they can't hear me. Uh, anyway, sorry. But the big thing that, that happened to me was for a couple years after I had kind of taken off and, and people started recognizing my work and they, they really appreciate what I did. And, uh, I I started making money and it, it just started like growing right sure. uh, I got to the point where I was just not happy and uh, and then I became a foster parent and uh, uh, that was really hard for me and I would wake up in the mornings and I would just be like I hate my life like I literally hate my life it would be way easier to just be dead right now what wow. I, I hate it and uh, it was miserable and I was miserable for maybe two three years. And it was just awful. And then I kept trying to work. I kept trying to do these things that I was supposed to do. And I got on this plane to go to Argentina for a seminar. And uh, on the plane, I start feeling like, okay, I'm having anxiety. I have this like mini panic attack. I'm, I'm starting to freak out. And I get to Argentina and I'm just feeling so crappy. And uh, I was like, I'll just sleep it off. And uh, tomorrow I'll hit this thing and just get it done. I woke up at 2 a.m. and I was just like, I'm nauseous. Am I going to throw up? What's going on? Uh, And then I just start crying. Like just, I I couldn't, I just could not go any further. I called my mom. Thankfully, my mom answered, which is like, was amazing. She's in Sweden at the time. And she was just on the phone listening to me cry for like two hours. And then after that, I basically just, I fainted. I just passed out. And I woke up the next day and um, I kind of like stumbled through the day. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel a little different, but not, not any major change. But that's when like things like really started to change. I got home two weeks later and I got in my bed. I woke up the next morning and I was like, that negative talk was just like there in my head again. I was like, oh, I hate my life. This just sucks. I don't even want to get up. And then all of a sudden, there was a separation. There was this voice of negativity 
And then there was me. And I was like, what are you talking about? You feel great. You look great. You are great. That, that voice is just like, it's bullshit. Mm. Get out of my way. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I, I came into my, my new self. And I had meditated before. I had uh, you know, done the, the, the things that you're supposed to do to live uh, this, this quality life. Uh, I had you know, trained myself to be aware. But there, there had to be this like, tunnel that you go through of pain, deep, just dark crap that you need to just hit rock bottom and just like be face to face with it and just be like, Oh, <laughs> you're, you're not me. You're, you're just a, another thing that is a product of what other people want me to be or what my ego wants me to be. Right. And I don't need to pay attention to you. I can just acknowledge you, but I don't need to, uh, go down the rabbit hole with you. I don't need to go on that roller coaster. I don't need to be defined by that. So long story short, when I wake up, I remind myself right away, you are in control. You make all the choices and you get to do what you want, when you want, how you want. Every action is your choice. Period. Love that. And just knowing that, it gives you this sense of peace that allows you to keep pushing forward. I think that's powerful. It's uh, the dark night of the soul when you start to get down that vortex and really start to draw up some of the things that you didn't even know that you were uh, suppressing, right? Rick Carson, mm -hmm. for the, those of you guys who are interested in kind of what he's talking about, it's a book called Taming the Grin, Your mm -hmm. Gremlin, right? And that's kind of a way to personify the voice inside of your head to where you can give it this um, this face, so to speak, and you can give it an identity and then you can speak to it in a way. But there's two sides of us, right? There's the interpreter and then there's the observer, right? There's the mm -hmm. person talking and then there's the person who views the, the chatter. And it's decision is the ultimate power. Once you make a decision to protect your authentic self and allow the noise to take a back seat, right? Giving fear, taking the, the, the direction, the map away from fear, then you gain power. What has your life been like since that inflection point when you know, you hit rock bottom and you made the decision to go forward. Kind of tell me what your life has been like since you created space from that voice. Mm -hmm. It's been peaceful. It's been very peaceful. And it's been, uh, it's been uh, at a point where I feel like I'm a new, at a new level of exploration. It's like I get to try all these different things. I get to act the way I want to act. I get to say what I want to say. And what I've come to realize is that the more I am myself, the more I love myself, the more people that actually care about me love me, and the people that acted like they cared about me or uh, wanted to be my friend are disappearing in very reactive ways or, or some subtle, but some very reactive. And it, it instills this this sense of if you're doing it, meaning myself, then other people feel like they need to do it as well. And mm. when they can't get there, uh, they either freak out or ask for help. Uh, and 
and some people freak out. And, and I've had to experience that, that have some people that have been very close to me uh, actually separate. And I'm like, that's it. That's crazy. Is right. it my fault? And now, once again, it's my ego trying to be like, oh, it's your fault. You created that reactivity. You made them feel that way. No, sure. you can't make anyone feel any way. You're just doing you. Yeah. And that's freaking awesome. That's a that's uh, so a powerful exactly realization. That. That's such a powerful yeah. realization, man. And I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because every action that you have is going to elicit a reaction, but that is not your worry to have to deal with how people interpret what you do. You just be you. And that's when your tribe really starts to get strong. So we're moving into this tribe that you have now of people who mm -hmm. really view you as an, a movement expert. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, that weight that you kind of bear and, and is it a weight or do you love giving and serving your, your tribe and whether that be in the form of your book and, and whatnot, kind of um, talk about the, the platform that you have now and what you kind of intend to do with it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, if, if we rewind just a few years to 2008, 2009, when I happened to land in the right place at the right time, which was the world of CrossFit. And in CrossFit, which is basically a freestyle strength conditioning program, I happened to fit this mold where I was talking about this concept of gymnastics, which is uh, a part of what they needed. I knew about gymnastics, but the big thing I knew I could do was help people understand skill transfer. It's like, if you get better at a pull-up, you're going to get better at a squat. If you get better at squatting, you're going to get better at running. And I'm going to show you how that works. And although I was trying to send that message, most people perceived it as like, oh, Carl teaches muscle-ups and pull-ups and squats. And that it was very much like one direction, right? Right. But in my mind, it was always a more complete picture. But being in the right place at the right time, just like exponentially blew me up and the attention people were giving me for the work that I was doing. And back then I did carry weight. I felt like I had to be this guy, like the gymnastics guy. And then people started figuring out, oh, he's more than gymnastics. He's kind of more movement. He's the movement guy. And I was like, I'm not. I'm just Carl. Like I am yeah. Carl. This is who I am. And I know some things about movement, but it's more of a mindset. It's an approach. And that's what the philosophy of freestyle is. And it was in May of 2014, actually right before I was publishing my book, I was invited to speak in Berlin at this conference. And I, I gave this talk. And after the talk, there was this one guy in the audience that came up to me and said, dude, my friend Ido Portal is here. And I think you guys would really get along. You have this like very similar mindset. And I would like to introduce you to him. I was like, of course, I know who he is. I would love to meet him. I met this guy, Ida Portal, and I was very quiet in that meeting. I was just listening. And the reason I was listening is because I really wanted to know who this guy was. So I was asking questions and what, and he was super open. It was a great, great lunch. Ido Portal uh, is the man. That's awesome he, that you got to meet him. He's the man. And after I left him, I was like, oh, I hope to see you again soon and, and congrats on all the success, whatever. I got in this car and I was heading to the airport and I felt this like huge sense of relief. I was like, thank goodness I don't have to be that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Like, you don't have to have that weight. <laughs> I was like, this is so awesome. You do you. Great. I'm going to do me. And now I get to tell everyone. Go check out Ido Portal. He's the man. I still teach movement. 
but he's the man <laughs> and go follow him and yeah. go do this thing. So for me, that's a really exciting thing because I want to be a supporter of everyone who cares and is trying and is operating under, under this like positive intent of growth and collectiveness. Is like, how can I support that? That's what I do. That's where I am a specialist. So I don't carry any weight. Uh, and the weight that I carry is my own. Mm. I'm just thankful that people actually want to listen to me and that you're even taking the time to interview me. Of course, man, you're doing you're doing really positive things and your tribe feels connected to you. I, I see it all the time when you go live because I believe wholeheartedly that there's a difference between saying something and having something to say. And when people are offering value into the world that has so much noise, it's important that we give those who we feel mirror our message, right? Because it's all about the psychological process of mirroring, right? People that mirror your message should be a part of what you're trying to do. And we should all give pieces of what we have to help build others as long as they align with, they're in alignment with us, you know? So it was super important. It was an obvious decision to, to get you on the show. Kind of some of the questions that I want to go as, as we move forward into the, the latter end of the show, man, is what I want people to, to recognize is how important mentorship is and having mm-hmm. models in your life that you can see. You mentioned once you saw this, this you know, pipeline for you to get to the Olympics, then you became really passionate about it because you saw that there was potential for you to get there. Yeah. How important is it for you to continually find mentors and surround yourself with people who have skill sets in other aspects of their lives that you feel could be, you know, add value to your life? You know, it's a great question. And I've, I've never been one to seek out mentors necessarily, but I have had mentors really come to me and cross paths with me. And uh, they, they have become mentors in many different ways. I mean, I would say my dad was one of my biggest mentors when it came to business uh, and and taking care of a family and providing. Uh, my mom was a mentor to me in terms of care and kindness and forgiveness uh, and just being uh, an, a well-rounded human being. I feel like my brother was uh, a mentor to me in terms of like uh, growth and study and achievement and I could go down the line. Like sure. every single person that means something to me has been a mentor of mine. Now, you know, going into more specific stuff, uh, I have crossed paths with people, for example, at media that have uh, given me guidance on basic stuff. It's like, how do you present yourself on camera? Like, what, what do you say? How do you say it? How do you connect the dots without losing who you are? Those things are so valuable. And in, in CrossFit, I, I had a great mentor there too, too, Kelly Starrett, who I actually uh, met him when he was just kind of getting started. And uh, he was a great mentor. And uh, he's no longer in my life like that. Uh, but but I appreciate someone like that. And I'm so glad I had someone like that in my life. So, sure. yeah, and I continue to just do what I do. And when I see that someone has a skill set that I don't have or I want to know more about, I gravitate towards them. and. Uh, you know, if there's a relationship we build. Love it. Love it. It's, yeah. it's that open mindset, that mindset of abundance. And because you're open to it, you allow people to be magnetized into you. Fantastic. Yeah. Can, I say, can I say one thing about that though? For sure. Let's talk you know, about this, that. This is important because a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, hey, Carl, I want to be uh, your intern or I want to help you with something or I want you to be my mentor. And most of these people that approach me uh, want me to help them. 
but they come with this in the forefront. They're like, I want to help you. Yo, Wesley, I want to help you. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, what, what, what do you want to help me with? Well, not sure. What do you have? <laughs> and you're like, uh, <laughs> come with a plan, kid. Right, of course. Come with a plan. Right? Of course. So that's important. It's like, if you're seeking out mentorship, come with a plan. And what I've been telling people right now that want to come and intern with me, whatever that means, is like, dude, come with a business that you want to develop. Come with an idea that you want to work on. If I'm into it, I'm going to support you mentor you guide you i want to be a part of that sure sure that, that's that's kind of what i'm seeking right now as a mentor and what i'm trying to do as i seek mentors myself i love it and, and i love that you're open to um becoming an incubator for human beings you do it on a, on a massive scale but being open to that is important and i think mm-hmm. um allowing these people to come to you with ideas and and give something that you can get juiced about and help someone else is the way you win, man. We win by building others. Um, you know what's so cool, Carl, is is uh, all you've done, um, a real, this could be a loaded question, and, and I've been kind of waiting for the right time to get at this. You've built a platform for um, a, you know, a business and a mindset and everything built off of a sport that is not a popular sport and can sometimes be perceived in society by like a feminine driven sport. And what's Mm -hmm. really interesting is how you have stayed authentically you, despite maybe any of that, that those uh, outside judgments or whatnot, right? Society is binary, right? If they don't understand it, they don't like it. If they know it, they love it. Right. And and it's a re it can be a, a really interesting and damaging space what was it like growing that from gymnastics? And did you ever suffer from any, any of those outside perspectives that may have thought, you know, gymnastic equals feminine or anything like that? You know, those stereotypes that you hear so much in our society. Yeah. You know, especially growing up in Spain where it was very much soccer driven. Yeah, and yeah. if you didn't play soccer, you were not cool. Sure. Oh, you're wearing tights and you're hanging out in the gymnastics gym. That looks dumb. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it was uh, tough, but when people see you do a handstand, badass. Like, yeah. Wait a second. That's that's kind of hard. And they're like, oh, you can just stand and do a backflip, and then you can not just do a backflip, but you can do a double backflip, double frontflip. You can do things that I can't even uh, think about in my head. All of a sudden, there becomes a separation where it's like. Yo, the beta male that you thought you were dealing with yeah. is actually the alpha. The alpha. <laughs> and, and guess what? Dude, I'm super comfortable being beta. Sure. Because I'm so comfortable that people are like, oh my goodness. Immediately they 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 start freaking out. Sure. And it's simply because of that confidence that gymnastics built. And can I kick a ball and, you know, play soccer really well? No, I suck actually. (laughs) (laughs) But guess what? I have fun doing it and people can appreciate that. I enjoy doing those things. And when people see that all of a sudden there's a, there's a change in mindset, that change in mindset, that's what I'm trying to really get people to be a part of. So it's like, Oh, you think this thing sucks? Do you think this thing is small? Great. Come and check it out. Sure. Fucker. <laughs> I, no, I love that. No, I love it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like the part that people don't see in me is that I'm a fierce sure. competitor. Yeah. And but outside, I'm very gentle and kind and like I'm like, I want to care for you. So 
yeah, it was hard sometimes, but for the most part, I've always felt really successful. And I just feel like I deserve it. And I deserve it because I know what I'm going to do with it and how I'm going to give it back. And I'm going to give it to you in a way that you also feel like you deserve it. That's what I yeah, no, I love it. You're super authentic, come from a good space, but you have that that potential to teach people some badass shit. Like I need to learn how to run up the wall and cut a backflip. If I can figure that out, man, my life goals are finished, man. I, I, I can quit you. everything. <laughs> we got a great question that's coming yeah. in live from IG. Um, Functional Coach asks, it must be a challenge to avoid being simplified by your audience. People will want to make you the muscle up guy or the CrossFit guy. They want to put you in a mm-hmm. box in essence, right? When you're more than that, do you battle with those stereotypes or do you always just do you? I think that's a great question. Yeah. The question of uh, uh, if I if I battle with stereotypes is yes, I have battled with that a lot. And what I've found is that if being the muscle up guy gives you an opportunity to feel comfortable with me, then great. I'm the muscle up guy. Right. Come. And then within the muscle up, I'm going to show you little things that help you see beyond the muscle up. And when you see that and feel that and we connect at that level, all of a sudden everything changes. It's just like you create that space like you just said. So, yes, I have battled with stereotypes, with being the muscle up guy. But at the end of the day, that's just a, a segue into what is really going on inside of us. And amongst us. That's so good because a lot of times that um, that label is the connection point, right? If you can be authentic enough to go in on that space and be comfortable, then you can establish that connection. And then from there is the pivot point where you can take that established connection and move in any direction. Um, and, and connection is based on trust. So it's getting into the trust in the values mm-hmm. and then being able to move from there. Carl, um, you got a lot of things going on. One thing I want to talk about is how quickly can I get a pair of those uh, chill pill, like mid-level black and red <laughs> shoes that you have with stripe movement? Those things are badass, man. How cool is that to design your own shoe? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and and I, we need to give credit where credit is due. They're designed by the actual uh, original founder and owner of Stripe Movement, Mark Morissette. He was a pro snowboarder and he just decided to draw a shoe. The first shoe he came out with was the Interval. That's when I met him. And then eventually the Chill Pill came out. And now what you're seeing is the Chill Pill Mid, uh, which is, yeah, it's a, it's a great shoe. It's awesome. And it's so cool to be a part of this company and to be a partner in it. It's just amazing. So, uh, yeah, you can get it by just going to uh, strikemovement.com and uh, and ordering them right there. They're, they're still available, but they're, they're going fast right now. We're, yeah. we're having uh, really good sales and, and people are really enjoying the shoe and, and realizing that the shoe is way more than just this tool to uh, look cool. It's actually a tool to allow you to perform at the highest level and still kind of maintain your own style and uh, stay original. So good, man. We'll we'll move into the the lightning round, kind of the end of the podcast. I want to ask you some quick um, questions that I want you to fire away. The first thing that kind of comes to your mind. We'll rift on a couple of those, uh, and then and then we'll let you go. I know your time is very valuable, Carl. Uh, first question: What's the most important part of performance? Yourself, caring about yourself. You come first. Mm, very good. What about confidence? 
confidence also starts by caring about yourself because once you start caring about yourself, you get to this point where you start becoming vulnerable and then behind the vulnerability lies who you really are. And then you start to accept and respect who that is. And that's when the confidence just Boom, it's so magic. When when you're vulnerable, you unlock the vulnerability in other people and they mirror you back to that mirroring statement. It's the best thing. It's why I created Creating Space, the podcast in general, so we could just have real conversations and we could Mm -hmm. talk about the conversations that I wanted to have every single day in my life. I was so sick of the superficial, you know? So that's that's great stuff. Um, Talk to me about um, levels of, of ego and what you know to be true about ego. Ooh, that's a, this is like a big one. So here's the thing. You know how a lot of people say, leave your ego at the door? Right. I'm like, no, bring it in. Mm. Because your ego is the axis for your moral compass. Without ego, you can't tell what is a good decision, quote unquote. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. The ego is what guides it. And the ego needs to be there. There needs to be a piece of that. And it needs to have its, its presence. You just can't succumb to it. Wow. So you got to balance it. Everything's balanced, right? A little, yeah. little light to the dark and, and, and so on and so on. Ego to, mm-hmm. to uh, being open and, and, and vulnerable and authentic. Uh, last question, Carl, what's, it, what's your legacy? When, when your eulogy is being spoken, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your time on this, in this realm is finished. What do you hope is said about you? I hope, I hope people remember me as the guy who made it feel like it was possible and that you were good enough to do what you wanted to do. Done. (sighs) Drop the mic, my man. Drop the mic. Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm extremely grateful for you. I know the Creating Space Tribe most definitely has enjoyed this conversation. If there's anything that we can do at Creating Space moving forward to help uh, push your, um, you know, your, everything that you're doing, your, whole process of pushing the art of movement and, and the functionality and how it can help in your life. I hope that you let us know as well as I'm going to get a strike movement, chill pill mid ASAP yeah. Rocky. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been awesome. And, and, you know, to your point it's the way you support me is by doing you doing you really well. And, uh, if, if I ever say something or do something or put out a product that you like genuinely appreciate, share that, use it, Give me feedback. Connect with me. Let's let's engage in some sort of conversation. That's all. Love it. And for the Creative Space Tribe, where can they find you in the social spaces, Carl? Uh, right now, online, you can find me at freestyleconnection.com. And on the social spaces, you can find me at Carl Powley, my name, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, everywhere you, you can imagine. The Movement Master. Thanks again, man, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, man. I hope you enjoyed episode number 104 with Carl Powley. I had a lot of fun interviewing Carl. I've been following him for a little bit on Instagram as he is one of the innovators in this space. As you guys know that I am a big proponent of the gymnastics types exercises where you've got a lot of functional movements, and I love watching innovators in that space. And guys, as always in the Creating Space Tribe, if you feel so called, please pass this episode on to someone that you know would connect with this message and take a second out of your day to jump on over to iTunes, hit us with a five-star review, let us know how this show has impacted you. Remember, being the best version of yourself is a constant journey. Be gentle. Some days are better than others, but when you get the opportunity to learn from these peak performers, take a little bit of what you like 
add it into your life, and then document the results. Love every single one of you guys. I'll see you on Monday for Mindset Monday. <laughs>